Welcome to tonight's edition of Draft Utopia. Chris Ransom here. Got a fun, jam-packed show for everybody here. Um, lots of news to get to coming up tonight. There's going to be a lot of news to open up this show. Then I'm going to break down round one of the Banal Fantasy... Forget that. I'll break down round one of the Banal Fantasy Football League, but I'm going to break down the top number three... Week 6 and Week 7 games of the 2020 NFL season. Break those games down in depth. Then we'll get into the Banal Fantasy Football League. Then what the FBS. Old Dominion. No, I think I'll break down Jamar Chase first. Jamar Chase for the Prospect Profile Series. Then the Old Dominion on what the FBS. And then we'll wrap up the show with the Padres State of the Franchise Edition. Lots of stuff to get to within this next hour. So let's get straight into the news. I was tempted to play a, a video clip to open up this show with uh, a soccer team, but I'm going to save that for next Wednesday with the MLS set to return. So time to dive into the news after, the, after giving our audience a preview of what I'm going to talk about tonight. And... We'll start with the NFL news. Obviously, weeks one and four of the preseason look like they're going to be canceled. The other big NFL news, Green Bay Packers quarterback Jordan Love becomes the first draft prospect to sign a full-year, full four-year deal on his rookie deal. Usually, players could opt the player out after the third year. They could choose not to give the player a fifth-year option after the third year of the rookie deal. But Jordan Love agreed to his rookie deal with the Packers today, so... Two big news stories, the preseason being shortened and Jordan Love agreeing to his deal with the Packers. So the Colts and the Packers are probably the top two teams I'm going to discuss because I'm looking at the rookie deals. And the Colts are probably the football team I'm going to discuss next week. But Jordan Love agreeing to his rookie deal. It's going to be a four-year deal, fully guaranteed, which means the Packers are probably going to have to trade Rodgers at some point within the next three years. And try to get some premium value out of that pick. NHL news, they've selected Toronto and Edmonton as the hub cities. And on Saturday's Talk Shoe podcast, I told Joey the NHL should choose Toronto for the Western Conference games and Edmonton for the Eastern Conference games. Neither team has home field, no home ice advantage. Neither team has that home field or that home ice advantage in the playoffs. That's what's going to happen. So the NHL getting it right after getting it wrong with the lottery system. They get it right with the playoffs to make sure the players are safe with the coronavirus, with everything going on. So Toronto and Edmonton are officially the cities. There were reports it'd be Toronto and Vegas. I'm glad the NHL did the smart thing and put the cities so that not none of the teams have home field and all 24 teams will report to Canada. And the play-in games will be in by conference as well as the round robins. And I expect the schedule of that to come out by Friday of this week or by next week. Maybe next Friday at the very latest. NBA news. J.R. Smith is officially reunited with LeBron James and the Lakers. Go ahead and post those uh, J.R. Smith-LeBron James memes with Laker jerseys. Go ahead. You're only fueling LeBron. By doing that, you're giving LeBron his narcissistic supply of fuel. And when I say narcissistic supply, I'm saying that all these fans that post these LeBron J.R. Smith, Smith memes, they are haters. 
And they are haters that motivate LeBron to silence his critics. And that motivation is LeBron's James narcissistic supply. He has that motivation to go out there and to show everybody how it's done. And he's going to have Anthony Davis with him. Rajon Rondo, I think, is on the Lakers. Yeah, Avery Bradley's not coming back, but they got J.R. Smith. And they have a lot of depth as well as good starters. Kuzma's the only other player besides LeBron and Davis to average over 10 points per game. And he's a very good sub-forward. Um, the rest of this team is very good defenders, though. They got depth at power forward, depth at center, depth at shooting guard, depth at point guard. And that depth is going to allow the Lakers to wield one of the best defenses in the NBA. Zion Williamson was announced as a cover athlete for NBA 2K21. He will be the cover athlete for that game. The Detroit Tigers signed first baseman Spencer Torkelson. They actually agreed to a contract with him last night. It was breaking news last night when I was at Fitness 19. That was breaking news that was... It's a day-old breaking news, but he's going to report with the players on the Tigers to their team camp. Um, MLS news. I do have some MLS news, actually, to wrap this up. All right, but the MLS news, I'm going to get to that really quickly, and then I'm going to dive into all these topics. But the MLS news, Jonah Dos Santos, the defensive midfielder for the LA Galaxy, is going to miss the tournament due to surgery, so he's going to miss the 2016 tournament. And that's our news for today. Now, before I get into the Battle Fantasy Football League, I'm going to get to the picks on the podcast. Week 6, Week 7 games of the week. Yeah, I broke down Chiefs, Bills, and Texans, Titans. The game for Week 6 I'm going to break down next is Browns-Steelers. And yesterday I broke down the Raven-Steelers game for Week 7. I broke that down yesterday, so if you like, like the Steelers... Go back in and listen to that. But the Steelers host the Browns in Week 6. And I've talked about the Steelers. Joe Hayden's had Cleveland's number since converting from Cleveland to Pittsburgh. Miles Garrett's going to go to Heinz Field to face Ben Roethlisberger. We're going to get jokes about, from Browns fans, they're going to make jokes about Ben's, uh, yeah, they Ben Roethlisberger openly admitted he used to have a porn addiction. So... Browns fans are probably going to give him crap for that until the Steelers beat the Browns again because that's all Browns fans have to talk about. Plus, they want bragging rights. They haven't gone into Pittsburgh and beaten the Steelers since at Heinz Field since 2003. The Browns, Ben Roethlisberger has never lost the Browns at Heinz Field in his career as a starting quarterback. It's never, ever happened, ever. 
So, the even when Ben was out last year, Devlin Hodges still did enough to lead the Steelers to victory. And both these teams are going to have strong offensive lines. Jedrick Wills and Jack Conklin are going to have their hands full with um, T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree. I think Watt against Wills, Watt's going to have a huge advantage there. Joe Hayden can contain Odell Beckham. Jarvis Landry's going to be tougher to stop. And the Browns have a two-tight end set with Austin Hooper and David Njoku that I think can exploit Pittsburgh. And they've got a good number three tight end in Harrison Bryant, too. So the Browns have the tight ends to really make things difficult for these Pittsburgh safeties. Devin Bush and Vince Williams can limit what Nick Chubb does. They can keep him to under 100 yards. And Cameron Hayward and Stephon Tweet are going up against Cleveland's guards. Guard is a strong position for the Browns. They have, uh, they I think they got Joel Batonio and J.C. Treader, and they got another lineman, not Zeitler, but they got a, no, Zeitler's gone, but their left guard and center are good. But Cleveland's right guard is Wyatt Teller, so I think Tweet, if he's healthy, that's a huge advantage for Pittsburgh. Tweet was not healthy last year, and Cameron Hayward and Javon Hargrave really had to carry that defensive line. So if Tweet and Hayward are healthy, that's a huge advantage for Pittsburgh. So Pittsburgh will have the pass rusher advantage over Cleveland, as well as the interior offensive line advantage over Cleveland, meaning Baker and Mayfield will have very little time to throw against this stingy Pittsburgh defense. James Connors going up against Cleveland's linebackers. And if Connor, I think Connor can get 100 yards against these linebackers. I'm not sure if Chubb can go into Pittsburgh and get 100 yards against this steel curtain defense. I just don't think it's in the cards for him. And Pittsburgh has more depth at receiver. Juju Smith-Schuster, James Washington, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson. Cleveland's only has two good corners with Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams. They did bring in Kevin Johnson from the Texans, so if he does well at nickel, fine. But I think Pittsburgh has more depth at receiver than the Browns do at corner. And they have Vance McDonald at tight end, even though the Browns did get Grant Delpit in the draft and got a good safety. But I'm giving Pittsburgh the not the win over Cleveland. I'll break down. I'll read my final score real quickly, and then I'm gonna. I've got the Steelers winning this one 30-20. And the Week 7 game, third Week 7 game I've got for this week is San Francisco and New England. And if Cam Newton, Cam Newton will be starting by this point. I think I'm torn on this game because if Cam Newton is starting against Garoppolo, I'm going New England. If Stidham is still the starter by the time the Patriots are done with their bye week, I will take, I will take San Francisco because I think if Stidham does win the starting job, Stidham's going to start the first four, first five weeks. And if they're two and three, if they don't have a winning record by then, I think Belichick will turn to Newton during the bye week, and then they'll go on a run, and they'll turn it around in the second half of the season and pick up the slack like they usually do. Even if uh, Stidham wins the starting job and they're one and four or zero oh and five, I could see Newton coming in and getting them to a ten and six record and getting that final wild card. Remember, there's going to be seven teams in the playoffs this year for the AFC and the NFC, so I could see Newton coming in 
and going on a run like Ryan Tannehill did with the Titans last year. I think that there's a very distinct possibility we could see something like that. And the 49ers, they should have Debo Samuel back by this point. Um, they're going to have Trent Williams instead of Joe Staley at left tackle. The Patriots are going to have um, Josh Uche and Anthony Jennings. Kyle Duggar, I broke down the Patriots yesterday in depth on our uh, State of the Franchise segment. So go check that out if you haven't already. And on that note, we're going back to the Battle Fantasy Football League. I'm going to break down these draft picks step by step. So first round of Battles Fantasy Football League, the Millennial Menace led by George, the new owner, selected Michael Thomas over running back to start the draft. I can't shame them for because Michael Thomas is the best receiver in the NFL. He gets 100 receptions on a yearly basis. So receiver goes number one overall. It's happened in this league before. Odell Beckham, I think, went number one one year, and Antonio Brown went number one another year. Um, car, team, car Ramrod is now Team Ramrod, but... Car Ramrod, Team Ramrod, Andrew Kermish, Ezekiel Elliott. Kerm's a Cowboys fan. He takes Ezekiel Elliott to um, Avengers. Goes with Patrick Mahomes at three. Gary Bannell to, of the Avengers taking Patrick Mahomes. And Avengers got to the championship two years ago. Team Mouse Rat, Mark Suba. They defeated me in a third-place game two years ago, um, the year after Gary got to the championship. But Saquon Barkley was a player Mark drafted, and then he used a keeper on Saquon Barkley. And now he's going to get Saquon Barkley for a fourth year in a row. Because this is how it works. Mark gets Saquon Barkley as a rookie, uses a first-round keeper on him. So Saquon Barkley falls to Mark once again. Mark drafts him and gets him for a third year in a row. And next year, Mark will probably use a keeper on Saquon Barkley, so Mark's getting Saquon Barkley's prime years. All of them. I was up at five and wanted to try to move the pick. I ended up getting Joe Mixon. And I have I used a second round keeper on Dalvin Cook. And a ninth round keeper on Tom Brady. So I got two of the top nine players. Two top nine running backs in Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon. Two top nine players as running backs. Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, both are in contract years. I expect a lot from this team. Um, Jason took Travis Kels, Chosen Ones. They made the Chosen Ones of a great track record. We, I did. This is the sixth. This year will be the sixth Battle Bowl. Jason Battle was in the championship first year, one second year, and was in the last two championships. So Jason made four of the last five championships. Only one championship to show for, one and three record within championship games, but he won it in 2000, 
16, I think uh, Jimmy won it the first year, and then Jason beat Jimmy. Then Mitch began his three-peat in 2017 when myself and Jason were both out of the playoffs. Then Jason and I both bounced back, and Mitch still three-peated, even though Jason and I did a great job rebuilding our teams. Mark made the playoffs, then he missed the playoffs, and now Mark's trying to get back to the playoffs, and he's got Saquon Barkley, so... And Mitch took Kenyon Drake at seven, which I don't agree with when they got Edmonds and they got uh, Kalen Balaj in their backfield and Nick Chubbs on the board. I just don't think that's a smart decision, but I'm kind of happy because this gives me hope Mitch won't three-peat at the same time. Mitch has Derrick Henry. He used a keeper on Derrick Henry, who led the league in rushing yards, and Mitch also used a keeper on Lamar Jackson. So Mitch's team is named Breeze Nuts. He's a Saints fan. His favorite player on the team is Drew Breeze. So, Breeze Nuts has three-peated, and Mitch has the reigning MVP and the leader in rushing yards on his fantasy team, which is why a four-peat is possible. I don't think he's going to four-peat because he took Kenyon Drake, but he's definitely a, still a top-four owner in this league, no doubt. Until he's out of the playoffs, until he has a, 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 fails to finish within the top four, Mitch is still in the conversation to be a contender for this year. I think Mitch, Jason, and I both have really strong teams. Um, ninth pick, Riley used a keeper on Christian McCaffrey. In the 10th pick, Talk Selvin and Taco Corp used a DeAndre Hopkins, Arizona Cardinals receiver. That wraps up the first round. The first two picks have already been made, but I'm not going to announce them on the podcast yet. I will, break, I will announce those two picks tomorrow and any other picks. I might, I might wait until Friday to announce those picks, because if I have a guest on tomorrow like Brian Luis or Oren, I can push the fantasy football talk back until Friday. But after the first round, I would say Mitch, Jason, and I are in the top three again. And honestly, I'm not sure, because I know um, last year, Taco Corp and Selvin, I think, made the playoffs. Or was Heath? Heath. Heath made the playoffs. Heath Bourbon made the playoffs, and he had he used he had Alvin Kamara. So Alvin Kamara. So Heath, I think the same top four owners. Right now, it's going to come down to whether Heath or Mark. It's too early to say who's going to be in the playoffs, but I think Heath, Mark, Kerm, all of a shot. Because if Kerm can get the right players, I wouldn't even sleep on Avengers. I think if Avengers gets a good draft, they could definitely do something as well. So I think right now it's too early to say. I think Mitch Bale and I have strong teams once again. We're going to be the top three teams in the league once again for the third year in a row. But at the same time, I would say Kerm, if Ezekiel Elliott, he, gets a, he builds a good team around Elliott. If Gary has a shot, um, I'd say... H.B. Vinegar strokes. Heath, I'd say Heath Kerm and I'd say Heath Kerm, Mark and Gary all have a shot. Heath Kerm, Mark and Gary. So there's four owners out of ten fighting for that final spot in the playoffs. And I think the second rounds is going to be really critical. These owners who used keepers on certain players that got certain picks. They really need to hit it out of the ballpark and nail this draft. So every owner is going to have 17 picks. It's a 17-round draft, and we've only cleared the first round of this draft. And I don't have a second-round pick because 
I used my second-round keeper on Dalvin Cook, who I got in the second round last year, and he lit it up. And now him and Mixon are both in contract years, and they're both my top two running backs. I feel very good about that. As long as those two running backs are healthy, I think this might finally be our year. Because remember, Henry was in a contract year last year. Mitch took him in the draft, and Mitch had him and Lamar Jackson on his team as he three-peated. Now Mitch is going to have those guys back, and he's got a realistic shot of four-peating. I think Jason, myself, Mitch, and the th four other owners... I'm not going to reveal the names of the owners that I don't think are going to contend because that would be rude of me to do. However, I think there are seven out of ten teams in contention. I'm really impressed with the drafting this year, and I think there could be as many as seven teams in contention for those four playoff seeds. So, good job, everyone else. It's a strong first round. All right. On that note, I am transitioning from the Banal Fantasy Football League to the prospect profile series. I'm going to break down LSU's Jamar Chase. His route running is there. Um, he, he catches everything in sight. The hands, the acrobatic ability. Just looks like such a complete blue-chip receiver on tape. Won the Bolitnikoff Award as a true sophomore. Um, speed, very fast. Great agility. Looks like such a complete receiver, but... Jamar Chase has to show he can still play at a high level without Joe Burrow to really establish himself as a blue-chip receiver. Because a lot of receivers, they'll get hot one year with a good quarterback, and once they lose the quarterback, their play declines. So Jamar Chase, if he really wants to assert himself as a blue-chip receiver, like a Jerry Judy or um, CeeDee Lamb or some of the receivers in 2018 NFL Draft, 2017 NFL Draft, if he really wants to assert himself as that guy, he has to have a strong season and show what he can do. And on that note, I'm going to get into what the FBS... In just a few seconds... Old Dominion Monarchs. This is a team that has a very good defense. I'm talking 11 juniors. 11 juniors or better. And they're a team that... I've got a great story about Old Dominion, too, that I'll read about on the podcast. But you're going to have to wait until the second half of the podcast. All right, we're back. Chris Ransom here. The, I got a funny story about Old Dominion to tell. All right, before I was born, before my mom met my dad, she had an old boyfriend at Old Dominion, and the guy she dated went on to become the dean of Old Dominion. And that's when they, when he became dean, they brought their football program back to relevancy. And great story, but... My mom doesn't marry my dad. I'm not born. This podcast doesn't even exist. So, yeah. Thank you for not marrying the Dean of Old Dominion. And if the Dean of Old Dominion is listening to this podcast, I apologize for offending him. All right. 
Now we're going to talk about Old Dominion's football team in what the FBS. And this is a team, as I mentioned earlier, nine of their 11 starters are returning starters from last year's team. And the two other players that are first-year starters are both juniors. So, and, so they have 11 juniors or seniors on this defense, nine returning starters, and you got to look at the defensive line. They have three seniors on this defensive line. It's a 43 defense. Jeremy Miser and Juwan Ross are the starting defensive tackles, both seniors. Derek Wilder, 42, he's an edge rusher at defensive end, is senior. But their best edge rusher, their best defensive end is Keon White. And Keon White could have a breakout season. He could have the kind of season that O'Shane Eximians had two years ago. Remember O'Shane Eximians from Old Dominion? He led the FBS in sacks two years ago. I wasn't very high on him as a prospect, but because he led the FBS in sacks, Giants took him in the third round of the draft. That's kind of what the Steelers did this year with Alex Highsmith out of Charlotte. Um, One of my classmates actually got to interview Highsmith. Very good football player. Clemson raved about him as well. Um... Dabo Sweeney's left tackle Jackson Carmen called him the toughest opponent he faced all year. So, very high praise. And Keon White could have the kind of season O'Shane Ximians had two years ago, even though he's a junior defensive end. And yeah, I think Keon White is good enough where if he has a big year, he can declare for this draft and still end up being a day two pick. Um, I'm just that sold on Keon White. He, I mean, Keon White just... He was all-conference USA second team. Lawrence Garner, their middle linebacker. Jordan Young, their outside linebacker in their nickel defense. Both seniors. Lance Boykin is the number one corner. He's a junior, first-year starter. He's going to be the field corner. Caleb Ford-Dement is a junior. Nickelbacks, Geronda Hall. Both of those are good guys are returning starters. So 22, Caleb Ford-Dement is going to be complimenting Lance Boykin. And Geronda Hall is going to be the nickel corner. Strong safety, Harold Blackman is going to be senior. Justin Richardson's a free safety, first-year starter. And they have a lot of players. I mean, they have a lot of depth players that are juniors and seniors, too. With Prince Age, with Lamarian James, Lamarian James being the freshman corner. And Lamarian James was their top recruit. He was their number one recruit among their top ten recruiting lists, so... Their team, their number one recruit is a freshman cornerback, and the rest of their backups are juniors, except for their freshman cornerback and number one recruit. So not only does this team have great starters on the defensive side of the ball, they have depth in spades. Like, they have depth players. Their number one recruit is the only fresh backup freshman on the defensive side of the ball. So they have 11 juniors or seniors as starters, 11 juniors or seniors as backups and their number one recruit being a freshman cornerback being the lone freshman backup so they have 21 out of 22 defensive players that are either juniors or seniors i mean that's experience i mean that defense alone may be good enough to get them to a bowl game and they hired penn state's offensive coordinator to be the new head coach and this was a team that ranked in the top 80 in every defensive category. They were 79th in scoring defense, 55th rush defense, 61st in pass defense, and 46th in total defense. 
So they were awful offensively, though. And they have a few players on the offensive side of the ball. Isaac Weaver, their center, 71. Honestly, I'm not sold on the offense. I think the offense is going to have some work to do. Hayden Wolf, um, he's a freshman redshirt. Um, and when I say he's a freshman red sh redshirt freshman or freshman redshirt, what I mean is he redshirted, but he started three of the final four games in that redshirt year. And Hayden Wolf's going to be the starting quarterback. It's a freshman redshirt. And he had 245.7 yards per game. Stone Smart is a senior, and Stephen Williams, there's going to be competition. Ricky Ron, they're going away from a balanced run-first offense to more of a spread offense. They're still going to run the ball, but it's more no-huddle, more spread, more up-tempo. And Isaac Weaver, a three-year starter, is going to be one of these players. Nick Salvideri, the right tackle, he's a true sophomore. And the offensive line is the strength of this team. But I think Isaac Weaver, if somebody on the offensive side of the ball has a chance to get drafted on Old Dominion, it's got to be Isaac Weaver. He's the starting center for this Old Dominion team. He's a senior. And honestly, I don't think there are any draftable players on the offensive side of the ball for Old Dominion. But Isaac Weaver's a guy that's got a shot. He has the best shot if Old Dominion has a big season. And they were 1-11 last year. An Old Dominion, you look at their schedule, they get Wake Forest without Jamie Newman at home. I, I think, I am I mean, Wake will probably win that game, but I really want to pick Old Dominion in the upset. I'm really tempted to. Hampton, if they can beat Wake, I think they could beat Hampton and go to 2-0. Florida Atlantic does not have James Morgan. Florida International does not have James Morgan, not Florida Atlantic. Florida International no longer is James Morgan. Middle Tennessee State um, is a home game. Connecticut doesn't have Matt Part. Connecticut probably beats Old Dominion, but UTSA, um, I think they can beat UTSA. Virginia, they're going to lose to Virginia. They're going to Snowden, so Western Kentucky win. UAB at Charlotte's probably a loss. At Florida Atlantic's a loss. Marshall, honestly, I really like this schedule. I, I'm going to say they go 4-8. and eight. I think worst case scenario you're looking at a one in eleven team, and I think the best case scenario is you go seven and five and you get a bowl game. I think they can get seven wins. I think Old Dominion can realistically get seven wins if the defense executes. If everything works in their favor, I think Old Dominion's looking at a seven win team that can make a bowl game, potentially win a bowl game first year. I think they can win seven games. I, I really do. I think this Old Dominion defense is out of this world. Nine returning starters, two juniors making their debut in the starting lineup, and then you have juniors and seniors as backups with Lamarian James, their number one recruit, as that one backup that's a true freshman, and the rest of the team is just a veteran defense. And when you have a veteran defense, not just starters, but 10 of your 11 backups are either juniors or seniors, that really shows in terms of leadership, in terms of decision-making, that really shows up and it's good. It's a good quality for a team to have. Next up, I'm going to wrap up this show by breaking down San Diego Padres. 
Okay, number 59 on Dion Reed. He's a friend of mine. He's doing a um, scouting report series on the views for the 22 Facebook page. He tagged me in number 59 on his list. Um, that was Ohio State receiver Garrett Wilson. He's a sophomore. And Ohio State had two really good receivers last year, Austin Mack, and they had another receiver. Um, I can't remember his name, but he was drafted, I think. K.J. Hill. But Austin Mack and K.J. Hill... Now they have Garrett Wilson, and with Justin Fields on this team, I could see some record-breaking numbers in the passing game. Garrett Wilson was a former five-star recruit in high school, so he could break out this year with Justin Fields in the lineup. But on that note, I'm going to talk about the San Diego Padres. So, look at the Padres. They have um, Austin Hedges, Hosmer, Muchado, Brian Dozier, Profar, Garcia, a lot of depth, Fernando Tatis Jr., Will Myers at left field, Grisham, Juan Laguerres, and they really do have a lot of pitchers. Garrett Richards in a contract year, Davies, Lamette, Lucelli. They have five different um, relief pitchers and starters in their farm system. Kirby Yates is in a contract year. Pomeranz is going to be a uh, going from going to be the setup pitcher. They have four middle relievers, and they have two long relievers, including Cal Quantrill, first former first round pick, and Andres Munoz is injured, but if he comes back, he'll be a third long reliever. So I think the Padres have a very good future, and they have Mackenzie Gore. They have a lot of these prospects in their system which I'm going to get to here. I'm going to uh, talk about the Padres. Because the Padres, Justin David Kish, I got a request from him. But Mackenzie Gore, Luis Patino, Adrian Morjan, Michael Baz, and Ryan Weathers are all going to make good pitching prospects. And the Padres, I don't recall the Padres drafted. I think Reed Detmers went to the Rockies. I think Zach Veen went to the Padres. Zach Veen. Yep, the Padres. So does that mean Reed Detmers is a Padre? No, Angels took Reed Detmers. So then, who the heck, Robert Hassel? Yep, the Padres took Robert Hassel, a right fielder. 
So they passed on a pitcher. They have five good pitchers. They really don't need another pitcher. But they have Robert Hassel. They have five pitchers, and their batting lineup is really starting to come together. So not only do they have – they may not have the starters to get to the playoffs this season, but once Mackenzie Gore arrives to the majors, they're going to emerge as a threat to the Dodgers and because they're the team that's in the best position to supplant the Dodgers – by 2022 once Kershaw's a free agent. They're that team. They're the team that's in position to do that. And I think by 2021, you could see them in a wild card or at least pushing for a wild card with Machado and Hosmer. And then they're going to have a two to five year window of opportunity to really assert themselves as the team in that division when McKenzie Gore arrives before the Dodgers reload in free agency, the Giants reload in free agency because even if you're the Padres, even if you're a small market team and you have a good draft, it's only going to last two to five years tops before these other teams reload through free agency. And that's really the big takeaway. That's the thing you have to look at here with the San Diego Padres. And I want to thank Justin David Kish for the request. Huge San Diego sports fan. I will post another uh, thread um, for these teams. I think the next team I'm probably going to break down is the Tigers for next week because the Tigers signed their number one pick, Spencer Torkelson, and they've had a lot of good drafts. So I think they're a fair team to break down. And then I'll probably do Nationals and Yankees as those next two teams with that, those teams playing on July 23rd what might be a preview of the World Series. Like on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, Subscribe to the YouTube channel at Draftytopia and more game film on BitChute. This is Chris Ransom. So long.